Welcome to Amazon Seller Insights. This is a series where we chat with experts who are crushing it on Amazon or in the e-commerce space, and we had to get some real insights, a few stories, and some inspiration that will help to fuel your Amazon business. A quick shout out for Zonguru. Zonguru is an all-in-one toolset for Amazon private label sellers, a world-class, powerful toolset to help you scale through data insights and automation. Looking for product ideas for more traffic, more customers, or ways to automate and scale, our exclusive partnership with Amazon and Alibaba.com integrated with our data-centric software toolset will help you hit your goals. Check us out at zonguru.com and start your free trial. If you're looking for product ideas and inspiration, check us out at Zonguru on our Instagram channel. It is a pure feed of the latest, greatest products that sell on Amazon and why they sell. Check it out at Zonguru. Today, we are talking to an e-commerce expert, Chloe Thomas, all the way from one of my favorite places, Cornwall. Welcome, Chloe. Hey, John. Uh, lovely to be here. And I, I love the fact you love where I'm coming from. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I've, I, 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 I love to pretend that I'm a surfer and, and surf around the world. And that's definitely one of the spots when I lived in London that we could get out to. So uh, welcome. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll give you a second to to give us a little bit of your, your history. But, uh, you know, I've looked through a little bit of your bio and uh, it's absolutely a, a, a testament for, um, you know, someone who is a go-getter, who is curious, who wants to learn um, and, and truly wants to dive deep and become an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've absolutely achieved that, but I bet you, you, you have a lot more that you want to achieve. So, um, you know, uh, it's really um, exciting to talk to you as an e-commerce specialist. And I think what will be really great for, for our listeners is to dive into understanding from your insights and your expert uh, area um, you know, how to create an e-commerce brand, um, which Amazon is absolutely a part of it, but almost beyond that. And, and some of your insights and perspectives um, from most of your areas of expertise, which is, um, you know, a lot of other channels outside of uh, Amazon, which is, which is absolutely a, a challenge for, for us as sellers is how do we expand our, our brand beyond Amazon because Amazon is such a great thing, but it's also, mm-hmm. it's a blessing and a curse sometimes, you know? <laughs> so, so how do you, how do you kind of diversify beyond that? So um, we're going to dive into that, which would be super cool, but uh, let's, let's start off with a little bit of a, a quick intro of, of how you, uh, what you've been up to and, and how you ended up in that amazing place, Cornwall. <laughs> oh, well, how I ended up in Cornwall is I got born here. So that's, um, <laughs> Got born here, stayed here for a bit, left for uni, spent 10 years up country because uh, for those of you who don't know, Cornwall's in the far southwest of the yeah. UK. Uh, we consider ourselves a separate country, so we're a bit like Wales and Scotland, but better. Um, <laughs> but, but we don't get the recognition. Um, and I left to go to uni and then when I finished uni, I ended up, found myself in the world of marketing, working for one of the big banks in the UK, Barclays. Hated that. Um, so I said about an escape plan where I ended up working at uh, a high street retailer in the UK. So they had a hundred stores, which is quite a lot, lot in the UK. Um, which one, which one was it? Uh, Pastimes, which okay. um, is a business which sold historical tat. <laughs> wow, <laughs> so okay. Historically inspired everything from, uh, from furniture through to garden ornaments. We did, we did really well with the garden ornaments. 
and very Christmas focused, very gift focused. We had the 100 stores, we had a website and we had uh, a massive catalogue mailing programme, which is what I started. Started off with was the catalogues, then got into the email, the pay-per-click, the affiliates, um, all that kind of good stuff. And then that went under, which wasn't my fault, I promise. Um, so then I went to work uh, at a mail order consultancy and worked for six different e-commerce br- uh, mail order brands, so catalogers, and got to be the first ever person really taking them online to the point where they had a website where the products were live the day the catalog mailed, which seems like a no-brainer now, but back then was revolutionary. Um, so that was an awesome time. And then that turned into a marketing agency that I ran for 10 years. And then since I sold that... Um, I've been able to focus on what I really want to do, which I kind of realized over the years. You know how sometimes you're, what you want to do in life, you don't realize until you're doing something you don't want to do, <laughs> which for me was running a marketing agency. So what I realized what I wanted to do was to help people avoid wasted opportunities and avoid plowing their time into things that clearly weren't the best thing for them to be doing um, in the medium of driving traffic to e-commerce sites. So these days, I try to help as many e-commerce business owners as possible and marketers to solve their own marketing problems by giving them the tools and the knowledge to be able to do it through the podcasts I host and the books I write. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's a, yeah, yeah, I mean, I already have a, b- a bunch of questions just, just yeah, on sorry, that stuff, I went but, through like, like 15 no, years in about 30 no, it seconds is, there. It, it, it's it's an interesting discipline, I think, from from business owners, but also as as marketers. Um, you know, one understanding or or, or, or having the, the the kind of drive and, and tenacity to focus on new things in marketing, mm-hmm. um, but also the discipline to and and the knowledge um, to cut things when they're not working. So so at a at a high level, you know, that idea of 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 being efficient with your marketing dollars and your focus and your time and, and, and making sure that things work just at a high level. What, what do you, what do you kind of teach as, as a, an evaluation tool as to whether, Hey, something's working or not. Um, you know, cause, cause, uh, it's, you know, I've, yeah. I've got experiences where we have spent a bunch of time doing things that's, that just, I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really hard because, I think there's there's kind of a third one. You said about, you know, you need to, to be testing new things and you need to be, you know, knowing when to turn something off. You also need to be actually diving deep into what you do because, you know, we say, oh, you should do email marketing, you should do affiliates, you should do pay-per-click, you should do Facebook ads. But the thing is to get any of those working as well as they could for your business is like a three, six-month project. And then you get to SEO and social media and we're talking potentially years before it really pays back. So, it's also about actually putting the effort in to see something works. I, I come across quite a lot of businesses who go, oh, Facebook ads don't work for us. And I'm like, well, what have you tried with Facebook ads? Well, we tried Facebook ads. Mm. And I'm like, well, actually, there's like a million and one strategies you can try with Facebook ads. They're like, well, we boosted a few posts and we didn't get any sales. I'm like, well, there we go then. That's <laughs> what you did wrong. <laughs> um, but that doesn't really answer your question. So your question was around how do you work out what is and isn't working? Now, there is, you should, of course, be tracking the results of everything. So through to an ROI, which with tools like email and Google ads and Facebook ads, you can track it right the way through to the conversion. A bit harder with SEO and social media, but with those, you can track it right through. So you should constantly be monitoring what money is that making us? Is it making us a profit? Is it costing us money per order in terms of 
and is that a level we're happy to spend? You know, if you're running a business where your customers are rebuying your product every couple of months, then you can probably afford to lose money on the first order. So you can afford to spend more on marketing than you're getting back in profit from the, you know, the margin on the product. But if, if you're selling them, I worked for a while for a company who sold doormats and the average house in the UK has 1.2 doors. So you aren't going to sell many doormats to people. People don't buy lots of doormats. They buy one doormat. So you've got to make money on the first sale in their case. So you've got to be aware of how much money you want to make on the sale. And then you've got to be monitoring how much money you're actually making per sale and not just on Facebook ads, but on that campaign and with that ad creative on Facebook ads. And the same goes for all the others. So if you're monitoring that, you get an idea of whether it's working or not. But that never, if it's not working, it doesn't necessarily mean turn it off. It probably means you need to optimize it. So you need to try some different creative, you need to try a different audience, tweak your bids, where you're showing the ads, you know, geographically, which regions work. Um, there's so, so many levels in each of these, which is why it's, you know, so what I, what I try and do is I try and give people the knowledge over and above those stats so they can get an idea of whether this is worth optimizing or not, whether this is worth testing or not. So you know, kind of like the, almost like the layman's advice to know what steps to take. So with email marketing, why might it work? How might it work for me? What things should I care about when I'm doing my email marketing? Which things work well for most people when they start off? Um, and I try and give that, that insight to people because there is, you know, as much as you look at the stats, there is a level of knowing what might and might not work. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it does. And, um, yeah, I think I think the, the critical thing I I picked out from what you were talking about there is is this a this a, uh, understanding and ability to track your metrics. Um, you know, it's it's a really critical piece, and and I just reflect on you know obviously my own Amazon business, but also um, Zonguru as 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 a you know a SaaS software platform. We we you know we spent a lot of time. Um, getting into the details around how to track metrics, return on ad spend, ROAS, which, which they call it. And, and um, you know, it, it's, it's in order to be able to test these various strategies, you have to have the ability and the, the full educated understanding of how to track the metrics. But importantly, what is your return on ad spend breaking points, right? And, and mm. um, it's different for, for different industries. And, um, and it's, it's no, interesting for, that you mentioned return on ad spend because I said about CPA, which is what people often focus on that cost per acquisition, mm. which actually is a flawed metric all of its own. Because if your average order value goes up and down, which it does, and let's face it, increasing the average order value is a great way to increase profit. It's a great way to make an ad work, which wasn't working beforehand. Mm. Then actually CPA is a, is a flawed metric because it's not taking into account how the amount of money you're making on the back end varies, which is why, you know, kind of almost 101 is what are your metrics telling you and are they the right ones, which makes ROAS, return on advertising spend, which takes into account how much you actually sold that person, so much more powerful. So I guess, I guess, Bad me for using CPA and not ROAS to start mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. but but it, it there's so much fine detail you have to get your head around if you want to succeed with these channels. Absolutely, yeah, and 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 points along that journey. So to your point, I think you know cost per lead, cost per trial. If there's a trial, obviously not with mm-hmm. products, but cost per lead, cost per acquisition, and then ROAS. I think are, are all critical. Um, and and I know I have a. a, a 
a bunch of kind of guideline questions, but I'm uh, I'm just following where, where our conversation goes. But uh, I'm interested in you know if we're talking about the 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 customer right now or, or, or the the seller right who who's got a product and yeah. you know selling off of Amazon wherever it is. But um, you talked a little bit about um, return on ad spend and, and when you should get your return. Is there is there a metric that you that you kind of see in in the tracking space of like when you should get you know what what's that kind of break break even point if you lose money should you uh, get it back, you know be fifty percent of that or or mm-hmm. you know where, where do you see the I mean it's it's a tricky one because obviously if you're a business which has a high repeat purchase rate you know if you're if, even if you're a subscription e-commerce business you know mm. you're doing a discovery box like birchbox or something and you know people are signing up and you know that your average customer is going to going to main stay with you for 6 months then if you depending on what your overheads are you can you know you can know that actually you can afford to lose money on the first 3 boxes because you'll make enough profit on boxes four, five, and six on average that it works back for you. So it's, it's one of these things which people often care more about when they first start out. That's when they have the enthusiasm for it. But of course, they haven't got the data to actually be able to work it out. And then that enthusiasm dies off and they never quite get around to going back to it because it's, it's quite complicated to work it out. I think if, if you're starting out and you're not quite sure what the numbers are, if you can manage to, to break even on an order and you can afford to do that, then that is going to be a great thing to enable you to really try out these ad, ad systems, to try out the other marketing methods. Because let's face it, everything starts off not great and it takes you a few months to optimize it really well to get it to the point where it's actually delivering what you, what you yeah. need. But the longer, this being, being the whole thing about e-commerce, the, less, the more you can afford to lose up front, the more you will make in the long term. Because the more customers you get on your list, the more people you get buying from you, the more people you get buying from you again. So, you know, you can sit there and go, well, I want to make at least £10, $10 on every single order, even if they're new. Well, great. All power to you if you can manage to get that to work. You know, if you can manage to find a traffic source that would drive you enough traffic at that cost point, which enables you to make £10 on every order, go for it. But for most of us, the volume isn't there. So we're going to have to to come much closer to break even or potentially loss making on each order in order to then be able to um, to have the volume to then drive those repeat sales afterwards. It's, you know, it's it's a complex thing. There is no, if your AOV is this and your X is that, because it depends on what your objectives are as a business. You know, if you're out there loss leadering it to gain market share, completely different scenario to if it's your side hustle and you're trying to make a profit from day one. Neither's wrong, both are possible, depending on how you tweak it. You know, and if, if what you're after is profit, then you've got to make sure you've got everything in place to maximize that conversion rate. Because you're paying for traffic, you're not paying for sales. So you want to get as many people once they get to you convert as possible. So that's things like email signups, so you can do welcome campaigns afterwards. Uh, abandoned basket campaigns, so you get them back. Great live chat functionality, so if they've got questions, you can work your way through answering them so they carry on and buy and then a content strategy so you learn from those questions so you can create the content so they stop asking you questions and they just buy and upsell so you up the AOV which gives you a better chance of making a profit on every order whereas if you're focused purely on the growth side of things then you could then you and you're not so worried about making profit on every order you can put that still still really important but it's less important than getting your traffic volumes up 
Um, so it's that's right, that was a very long answer to your question there, John. <laughs> no, but yeah. I, I keep giving you giving you loads of stuff. I hope here. No, I think I think uh, you know it, it's it's very important pieces, and and I nod my head because you know we, we we go through this experience a lot with with our um, kind of paid strategies. But I think the two things I picked out there is is one, um, you know, even if you are an Amazon seller and, and you're trying to um, you know drive traffic to your listing or or to your Shopify store or whatever you have, um, the first thing is budget. And I think you have to have a, a good understanding of, of how much you're willing to spend and what your, your, your investment is going to be um, because this isn't a, a short-term fix. You know, if, if you think it's a short-term fix, you're going to be the person who's going to say, oh, I just tried boosting a couple of ads and it didn't work. You know, it, yeah. this, is, this, is a, this is at least, honestly, it's at least a, a year project to, 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 you know, you should obviously be able to start to, to kind of direct the ship in the right way after two to three months, but but to really optimize, it's, it's going to take um, a significant uh, amount of time uh, exactly. to really dial, dial it in. And I think one of the key things, sorry to interrupt, John, but I think one of the really key things, especially for your audience who are used to the Amazon structure, is we're not just talking about the product price and the marketing price. When it comes to doing this activity via your own site, you've also got to take into account those overheads that when you're selling on Amazon, Amazon deals with for you. So storage, pick, pack, and dispatch. Uh, we've got the customer service elements, which I know you have part of on Amazon, but you've got more of that on your own site, the additional software that you're paying for. Mm. Yes, none of it's huge amounts per month, but, but it, it adds up. And all of that starts just increasing that cost per order, and you need to be factoring that in. Otherwise, you'll suddenly discover after a couple of months, oh my God, we're making so much less money than we thought we were because we mm. forgot about all these extra bits and pieces. Yeah, we always go back to saying it's not about turnover, it's about leftover, right? And you have to have a very good understanding to the T on, on how much is left over your net margin and your cost of goods. So all of those absolutely factor in. Um, so yeah, I think I think understanding of budget is important, and I think the other point that you brought up is volume, right? And mm. this game is absolutely one of of especially Facebook and and well, I think I think everything is is volume in at the top of the pool, right? So yeah. you have to get these kind of like cold leads to become warm leads, but people who who you know could start to get into your marketing funnels, um, and they may not convert immediately. And you, you're going to have these remarketing sequences, um, hopefully get an email, follow-up sequences. Um, this is all part of, of, of the game of, of getting a customer to convert. And, and unfortunately, and, you know, it, it is what it is, but, but I think today's customer, uh, no matter, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty special if you, if you can get them to convert off the first ad, you know, um, yeah. that they see. And and it's important that you understand that there's a journey. There is a a, a, a follow up relationship um, that you have to have with that potential customer to finally get them get them to convert. I mean, think of you know just think of your own experience on on Instagram. You know, you 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 click on on one ad, a watch, and then you start getting a whole bunch of watch ads. But you know, it, it might be a month of you ignoring those, and then eventually you convert a month later. So. Um, you know that, that idea of volume up front of, of getting enough people into your pool um, so that you can begin to funnel them down your, your your marketing channels and get them to convert is important so this is stuff that you have to 
as a, as a business owner, I understand like budget, how much am I willing to spend up front? How do I get the volume that I need to, to actually start to make this thing work? Because uh, it, it does take time. And then finally, uh, you know, what, what is my breaking point for return on ad spend? Um, uh, for for my product, so you know it, it's it's a deep subject that that takes time to to figure out. It is, and especially so with with today's consumers, because uh, there's a there's a really clever lady in the world of retail in the UK called Mary Portis, who used to be a visual merchandiser at some of the top department stores in London. Had an amazing career, and she's super clever. And I saw her speak at a, a conference a couple of years ago, and she was saying that the big trend, which we are this was kind of visionary at the time but so true now she was saying that we're no longer a society who wants status symbols we're not interested in the porsche and the chanel bag and the this that and the else anymore what we want is we want the status story you know we've we've all got that friend who would spend half an hour in the pub telling us about the farmer she bought the sausages from and a which farmer's market she went to and how long it took her to get there because it's the only place you can get sausages worth eating. That is the consumer we now have. So you have to build, if you want someone to love your product, to come back and buy again, to go on Instagram and talk about it, whether you're selling just on Amazon or you're selling on your own website or from a market stall, you need to build that emotional connection with them. You need to tell them about who you are, why you created the product, give them reasons to emotionally connect with you. It's, and that's where this whole, the welcome campaigns and the follow-up advertising really comes from. You're telling them your story and why they should care about you. So as they're going, I have to have this product because this product is me. This product re- reflects who I'm going to be. And I'm going to tell my friends about this because it's so connected with me. And it, you know, if you can do that, you could do that well. The sky is the limit for your potential sales. Absolutely. I think, you know, if it's not good enough for the gram, what's the point? Eh? So, so there's a reason why it's called Instagram stories. I think it's telling a story, right? And, and mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. All right. If you'd like to check out the video version of this episode, don't forget to go to YouTube, go to Seller Insights at Zonguru's channel. And that's Zonguru with a Z. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, our, our audience are, Amazon sellers, and I think everyone tries to think that they have a brand. They're selling it on Amazon, and and uh, a lot of the times it's not the case. They've got a, a product that creates cash flow, which isn't necessarily a brand that's dependent on Amazon. Uh, and the challenge for us is is how do we grow beyond Amazon, create a true brand? Um, what is your thoughts around creating an e-commerce brand and the role that Amazon can play? You know, is, is it something? I, you know, I obviously think it's an important piece of that that journey. But some people start off of Amazon, some people start on Amazon, some people never go to Amazon. Mm-hmm. What, in, in creating an e-commerce brand, how important do you think this 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 channel is? I think it depends on the sort of brand you're creating. If you are, if I if I talk about people who are starting off uh, off Amazon with their brand, if you're creating a boutique scenario where you're trying to create. I always come to fly fishing as an example. I don't know what I've never been fly fishing in my life. But if you're trying to create the ultimate fly fishing store, <laughs> I don't have the patience for it. <laughs> no, no me neither. Um, but you'd, you know, you'd be getting the best brands in. So you'd be buying other people's products to sell them. And that's what I call a boutique store is where you're selecting things from other people to create 
a collection of product. If you're doing that via your own store, Amazon is probably not a good good place for you to put high on your list of places you're going to start selling because other people will be selling the same product, which as I'm sure your audience know, you know, it's so much easier on Amazon if you're the only person selling it. Um, now, if, however, you're part of this new huge movement we're finding in e-commerce that we're calling D2C, DTC, direct to consumer, which I'll be honest, when I first heard it, I was like, well, isn't that what we all do anyway? Mm. But it's not. It's fundamentally different. It's when you own the whole piece. You own from the design of the product through the creation of the product, the story around the product, how you then create almost a community of customers if you're doing it really well. So you, uh, you, are, you own the product. You're the only person who has that product and it's intrinsically built in with your brand. Now for those businesses, I can see arguments for starting off on Amazon in order to drive sales, to test the concept because let's face it, there's a whole load of customers just sitting there wanting to buy. Conversion rates are great, et cetera. Or they can start, start offline and really start building that brand content around the piece. But I think for them as well, if, if you, once you reach a point, why wouldn't you be selling on Amazon? Because over 50% of product searches now start on Amazon. And if you're a D2C business, your, your aim usually is to get a great product into the hands of consumers. And currently the best way to do that, the most cost effective, the, the best way to, to build this relationship that I was talking about, about the stories and about the, the emotional connection is via your own site. But most of these people didn't go, I want an e-commerce store. They went, I have this great idea for a product. I want to get it out to people. And if what you're trying to do is to get your product into as many hands as possible to grow your ecosystem, your community, then selling via marketplaces to me is a no-brainer. And we're seeing some really successful businesses in that space now straddling both. Now, uh, one who I, who I had as an interview on my e-commerce master plan podcast a little while ago, went live uh, in August, is a guy called Kevin Aritia who uh, sell, runs a business called Chester Travels, who do high-end suitcases. I mean, the, these are really nice suitcases with, a, with this high price point. And he has his own store, which is full of all the lovely content you would expect. They work with influencers, to, you know, all the travel bloggers um, and all that, as you would expect with the high-end. They do really well on Amazon. You know, we're talking Samsonite and above price points here. And they do great on Amazon. And, you know, that was part of their strategy from the beginning was selling that product via Amazon. Now, it would never occur to me to go and buy luxury suit suitcases on Amazon, but because they had that D2C mentality, they're like, actually, if I go to Amazon, I can see there's, there's um, a lack of luxury suitcases on here. It's a, it's a no-brainer to do that, to build it, build the relationship. And, and as we all know, if you have a suitcase that actually works, does what you need, you can find it when it's going around on the carousels you're going to remember what that brand is and you're going to talk about it, whether you bought it from Amazon or whether you bought it from their site, your relationship is with the product and you will quite possibly go back to their, their site next time when you want the, the carry on or the, or the other pieces. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great insights. I think you're spot on there. I think, you know, especially with, with our customers at Zongu, I think, and, and what we believe in is, is this idea of private label uh, creation, right? Which is ultimately owning that D2C journey um, and the story and the, and, you know, from manufacturer to, to getting it into your customer's hands and, and um, you know, the conversion rates on Amazon is the highest out of anything. You know, if you're looking for, you know, 20, 20%, the, the conversion rate, you, Amazon is where you need to be. And I think how we look at it is 
in in the in the the, the kind of e-commerce journey, it, particularly for the SMB, the small business owner, the person who's starting out off with his private label, is 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 Amazon is absolutely the place to start because it's going to first help you with your with your with your immediate needs, which is cash flow and and volume and and exposure, right and and Amazon is absolutely the place where, where you can do that. And if you have your own brand and you get it, you can create that unique, um, you know, proposition around your product. Um, you, you know, you could even be in the position upfront for the first two years of your biggest problem being able to stay in stock on Amazon. But that, that's yeah. an absolutely a, a cash flow exercise where, where you're growing, you're investing your money back into your brand um, and, and you, you're hopefully building um you know, something out of a, out of a relatively small investment, which, which is an, an amazing um, opportunity that's available to all of us today. Um, but I think the true successful, uh, you know, um, e-commerce brands that, that come out of Amazon are those people who have the five to 10 year vision of what they're trying to create. And they start to implement those strategies from the beginning, which is Yes, I need to grow this brand on Amazon, and it's and it's a massive channel for me. But that's not the be all and end all. And it's like, how can I grow beyond Amazon? Um, and and if I can create a, an amazing experience around my brand, when it when someone, you know, it's a needs based buy, they're like, hey, I need a luxury suitcase, or I want a cool suitcase. Mm. Oh, it's not even a luxury. Hey, I want a suitcase. Wow, look at this cool brand. You know, it looks ma- amazing. I bought it. But then the the unboxing experience and the and the the the, the actual physical product experience that, that that person has with your brand when they get it absolutely is going to drive them to the websites. They're going to have that opportunity to start to get the feeling of what that brand is about. And, and that's a critical piece that a lot of Amazon sellers miss early on. And I think that they have to do justice to themselves by exploring that because those are the people in five years who can turn around and say, Hey, I started on Amazon, but I created this amazing brand and I'm in, in X, Y, and Z channels and I've got yeah. this massive business versus someone who's like, Hey, I started on Amazon and I had a good cash flow business. And then the, the, you know, the, the, the Chinese seller found out that I was selling this and they undercut <laughs> my pricing and my business was done. You know, uh, that's, that's a very different story. Yeah, I think you've 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 got that cash flow play on Amazon. You've also got kind of like the first two months of almost product testing and iteration where you're just checking that people actually want to buy it because if you can't get it to sell on Amazon, you probably can't get it to sell anywhere. Um, I think once you've got past that initial test, I would be immediately creating a website, probably not an e-commerce website at that point because that's a lot of extra work, extra complexity in the business mix. You know, you've got other sales channels and all the rest of it, whole, whole level of complexity. But I'd have at least kind of like a basic WordPress site that reflected my brand well, had maybe a good about us page, a little bit of extra info and a big old email sign up box. So as you're starting to enable people to connect with your brand, come and find out what you're about, and you're starting to capture that data. So as you can then, when you're ready to to invest the time in creating the e-commerce site and all that goes around that, you've got a list ready to say, well, hey, look, here we are. You've got a list to send emails to and go, we're thinking of expanding the range. Should we go for the huge suitcase or the tiny suitcase? Or would you prefer a wash bag? And you can start having that relationship with the customer which yes, you can do parts of that on the social media platforms as well. So I'd also be building those. But I think just to have a, 
a very simple site that's just collecting information about your customers so you can start to learn more about them, ready to really hit the, you know, the second sales channel of not just Amazon, right, could be invaluable. And of course, you can put a Facebook pixel on there too, so you can start capturing data that way. It's, um, for me, that would be, be a no-brainer once you've got that once you've got that proof of concept done in the first couple of months on Amazon, I would definitely be building a, a, an email capture information site. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there. I think I think if I had to give a, you know, my top piece of advice for uh, an Amazon seller, um, you know, Amazon specifically try and 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 keep you separate from understanding who their customer is and, and, mm-hmm. and having that direct relationship with the customer. So the way, you know, the number one thing to do is to build an incremental list of, of sellers of, sorry, of customers um, that you own. Right. And, and what's important to understand there is it's incremental. You know, if you, if you're getting, I don't care if you're getting five customers, emails or, or connections a month, you know, and, and you can start there and grow it. If you have that system in place, that first year is going to go quickly and that 100 or 200 people you have in your list even, I don't, it can be that small and it's not going to be that small. It's going to be way bigger than that. I can, I can guarantee you. But, you know, even that 200 is invaluable for your, yeah. your feedback, your next product launch, your, your whatever. It's, it's an asset that you're growing um, and, and, and it's an important piece. And of course, you can kind of, within the Amazon rules, you can do a certain amount to encourage them over to do that. So, you know, in the case of the the suitcases or expensive products, you can have head to our website to confirm your guarantee details, you know, or to extend the product guarantee or to, uh, I don't get a how-to guide or there's all these things you can put in the packaging that don't go counter to what you're allowed to do with Amazon, but which, which in really encourage the person to come and connect with, you. you know, you know, alongside sharing on social media and all the rest of it. So, you know, don't be afraid to tell them once you've got that website up to come and find out X enter the competition mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Absolutely. And I think just a thought popped into my head, but, but, uh, you know, it's, and, and maybe you have some insights here, but, but, you know, an e-commerce brand that you're creating is is it's creating a product that you can sell but but i think it's a it's an important nuance to to dive into this idea of you creating an, an asset a business asset a, an a, a, an asset for, you know that's that's sellable one day um yeah and and you know people often forget that when you're selling a product that's not ultimately that's an important part of your business asset but it's not the only one and and to, to truly create something that's sellable, having these standard operating procedures, these funnels, these ways of capturing your, your customers or a customer database, that's an asset that, that absolutely adds value to your product if you ever sell that as a business. And so maybe you have some insights there around, um, you know, creating your e-commerce brand, but in particular about creating an asset that's, that's sellable um, and, and what are some of the key things there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, anyone who's looking to, to buy an e-commerce business, they want that sales history. They want to know where the products come from and the level of security you've got around those being your products. But then you want, you know, when you're selling any business, be it e-commerce or other, you want to to make it easy to see the buyer see how they could quickly increase the sales. You know, so if you're planning to sell soon, don't suddenly turn on a new marketing channel. You know, it's like, 
just leave it there as a, well, we put the Facebook pixel in place, but we've never got around to running the ads or something because the, you know, it's an immediate sign to the new buyer. There's, there's untapped potential here, which will value your business higher for them because they can make more money out of it. And so if you're, even if you have no intention of ever, ever going as far as creating that Shopify site or that's going to sell your products, have the site there, which is capturing the emails, because if you're selling a business which is purely Amazon compared to exactly the same business that's got a website that's existed for time, which means it's more valuable in the eyes of Google and therefore will get more traffic, and an email list that you've sent maybe something to every couple of months to keep it warm, that makes you massively more attractive than the business that doesn't have it because that's two assets you haven't leveraged, which are ready and waiting for the new buyer to take on and take to the next level, which is so much more powerful to them than not having it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, everything we do in business, we should be thinking about our exit strategy. And if you can have, you know, so on that website, you would also have your Facebook pixel installed so it's ready to go. You know, you'd have those social media profiles as well. So when they get the brand, they've got the full mix. Um, it's, it's simple stuff and it, you know, it would take you less than a day to do the whole of that side piece. But when it comes to selling your business, I have no idea how much extra it would be, but it's certainly going to be worth a day of your time. Let's put it that way. Mm. You know, yeah. and, and if, if you can, you know, test one thing, then even better if you're giving them that idea of what, what could be possible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an important part of the, of the selling game, right? Which is like mm. to, to essentially you as a, as a sellable asset, you want to be able to show, hey, you have these these great relationships and, and assets already in place. But um, you know, someone who's wanting to buy you, they're they're actually, you know, wanting to see the potential of of what you've created but where it can go, so that they can, yeah. you know, they can scale that business and, and get the return that they want. So, um, you know, it's just important to understand. Uh, I think back to my original thought there, which is like. Your your product is such a key part of it, but it's not it's it's not the be all and end all. It's it's everything that you build around that that becomes your sellable assets uh, down the road. Hey, if you want to connect with us on social channels, check us out at Zonguru for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Check us out right now at Zonguru. Maybe you know for an Amazon seller, right? They're 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 looking to expand beyond Amazon. They have a product that's selling on Amazon, um, maybe just your top two or three tips around uh, creating a, 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 an e-commerce brand beyond Amazon. What, what are the, the key things to, to focus on? Okay. So the first thing is to be on a website platform that's easy to use and that integrates mm. with stuff. Um, which may sound really obvious, but and it's partly based on the fact I, I grew up in e-commerce where nothing was easy. Um, you know, back in the day, we wanted to create a welcome campaign and it was going to cost us like five, six thousand pounds to build it and we'd never be able to edit it. It's like, and now you can, you know, you can create a Klaviyo account for free and create it in minutes. It's mind blowing really, but, but people still build on site platforms, which weirdly don't integrate with other things because integrations, you know, the, the power in e-commerce these days is when you're getting all your channels to work together 
know, you're mirroring what you're doing in email with what you're doing on Facebook and similar messaging and SMS and all the rest of it. So you want things that will integrate. Obviously, Shopify is great for integrations. Um, it's also something which you can build yourself. Basic, you know, you can do quite a good-looking Shopify site mm. yourself. And then when you reach a point where there's sales, you can then get specialists to come in and make it look even better. Um, which actually, so so point number one buy tech, use tech that enables you to integrate. Point number two, um, bullets, then cannonballs. So there's a Mm -hmm. guy whose name I've just immediately forgotten, Jim Collins, who wrote a book called Great by Choice, who looked at um, the huge businesses that had done great on the FTSE 500, not the FTSE 500, the NASDAQ and the American stock, stock markets, but they'd been riding high for like 100 years. And he looked at what were the key kind of ethoses or strategies Mm. they deployed which enabled them to continue growing for decades and decades and decades and one of them is bullets then cannonballs which is in the example to use the example of what we're talking about it's not that they went we're doing great on amazon i'm going to go and spend 30 grand on a website build hire people who are going to cost me 10 grand a month to run it for me and hope it works no it's you create an off-the-shelf Shopify site that looks good and represents your brand, but you do it simply. You create, you don't do product videos from day one, you just have product content. You do the basic, the proof of concept, the minimum viable product, whatever you want to call it, you fire those bullets until you know you've got your angle right. And that's when you unleash the cannonball and you spend the budget. So bullets and cannonballs would be my second. And then my third one would be spend money on marketing. Um, it amazes me how many businesses still plow a whole load of time and effort into building the website and then just sit there wondering where the sales are. And I think when you come from an Amazon space where, yes, these days you do have to do some of your own marketing on Amazon, but still so much of it is done for you. You know, so much of it is done for you by Amazon. It's what you're paying your fees for is for them to put people in front of your product. No one's doing that for you on your own site. So you need to be doing your email marketing. You need to be paying either your Google ads or your Facebook ads, whichever one you found works well for you in your business and starting to do the investment in the social media and the SEO. But you need to be doing channels that drive money fast from day one. Otherwise, you're not going to learn anything about your site. So that was a, a good software system that integrates bullets, then cannonballs and actually invest and spend money on marketing because that's crucial. Yeah, awesome, awesome advice. I, I don't really have anything to add to that. I think you <laughs> nailed it. So, um, yeah, I, I always, you know, it, it, it's it's amazing these days how how much accessibility we have to technology and mm-hmm. and how we can create a brand and a product that competes with the best brands in the world. And it's right at our fingertips for for not much money up front, and and it takes some creativity, but Again, uh, understanding and relying on people who've 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 already learned all the things they need to learn, and you can leverage that for your own business. So I, I, I think yeah. that's a, a key point. Um, on the flip side, what are what are some of the big mistakes? Oh man, uh, just doing <laughs> Facebook boost post. That, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I I have to struggle not to laugh when people tell me that these days. I'm like, really, you as well? Um, oh, no. <laughs> not doing the marketing. Uh, firing cannons instead of bullets um you know but but it would be i suppose the big big issues i see are people who who 
think they're going to be able to grow an e-commerce business now. And I say this, you know, despite the fact we're seeing these huge upticks in consumer interest in e-commerce and the huge movement to online buying that we're seeing, which is going to make life a bit easier for a while. But we're also seeing an awful lot more brands now selling online. So it's, it's, it's a tricky marketplace, but this advice still stands is thinking that you can launch a brand and if you just use social media and SEO, you will get there. You have to pay for traffic. Whether it's Facebook ads, whether it's Google ads, whether it's paying influencers, you have to pay for traffic if you want your business to grow. There's no other way of doing it. And the only way you're going to get those strategies to work is if you get down in the detail and optimize it. Either find someone who can do it for you or get to know it yourself. And to be honest, I would always suggest a business owner spend some time playing around with their own Facebook ads, their own Google ads, because it's a complicated thing to manage an agency or a freelancer to do the best for you. You need to know the questions to ask. You need to be able to talk their language. And you can read books like mine that give you the, the basics so as you can, you know, you can uh, you, you know how to approach it and you're better placed to hire an agency or a freelancer. But fundamentally, if you've not been in there, tweaking and changing yourself you're probably not going to manage the uh, the person you're hiring to do it for you as well as you would otherwise so um so yeah optimize uh don't just rely on seo and uh, and social media and then the flip side of those three top tips i gave you earlier yeah no, great um yeah and i think this idea of paying paying for um traffic you know and, and paying for for those customers I think an important point, and it, and it applies to selling on Amazon, but also obviously beyond that is, for me, I think people have to fundamentally understand that the access you have to people is massive. You know, there, there's such a massive audience out there. And if you're paying for that traffic, if you, you a mistake that people make is they too, they're trying to be too general with their, with their product idea. It, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to satisfy hopefully a niche within a niche within a niche. It's a very specific product for a very specific need. And, and if you can tap into that audience, even though it's in your head, it might seem like a tiny little audience. It's, it's absolutely massive. So, you know, be, be very, very specific with, with your product benefits, what it is for and who your customer is and, and understand that to a very narrow, narrow margin, because if you can connect with that customer, you have more customers. That's a million dollar business right there, but yeah. you have to be very, very specific. So, um, you know, if you're paying for that traffic, don't be too general with, with what you're trying to appeal to be very specific. Um, that's that's kind a, of my, my thought there. Yeah. I have a friend um, who's currently working on a product that could be used. It's designed for sports people, amateur and professional to improve their performance levels. And I can't say any more than that. So, so don't sure. push me on it, but that, that's what it's designed for. And he's been trying to work out how he launches it. And we had quite, quite a discussion around, well, he knows more about the world of rugby, but um, the world of football has an awful lot more human beings mm-hmm. interested mm-hmm. in it and a lot more powerful, uh, you know, emotional connections. You know, if he could get someone from Manchester United to say they think it's a great product, then he doesn't need anyone else in the football space. That potentially is enough to hit his sales targets for the next five years. And therefore, you know, 
we were talking about how, well, you could create this product and talk about the fact it's great for netballers and it's great Mm. for rowers and it's great for rugby players and it's great for kids and adults and this. But actually, what he wants to go after is just go football because there's so much, you know, that niche is huge, um, but it's still a niche. And if he goes after one or two top clubs and really works on getting one of their players to endorse it, that's what he needs to do. He doesn't need to focus on the whole of the premiership. He can focus in on, I'm going to get one person from Man U, one person from Chelsea. And that's, that's me covered. And then my homepage has picture of person from Chelsea, picture of person from Man U. My ads, I target at people who love Man U, people who love Chelsea with pictures of relevant players with my product. It, mm. It's such a clear way to niche in and then he will pick up people who like Arsenal and rugby and golf <laughs> along the way because that will just happen. But he can focus his messaging and his stories really, really niche on those two key areas. And it, it's going to make everything simpler in his business from product design right the way through to the marketing, through to the customer service. It's, it makes your life so much easier going after a niche and makes, as you say, makes the money come in so much faster. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think it's it's it, it is a difficult process to and, a, and and something to to figure out and to make that decision. You know, um, and this is the part of being an entrepreneur is 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 the discipline that comes with it and and the hard decisions. But um, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes having that focus around your launch strategy seems so simple, but actually to get there, it takes a process. So be patient ask the hard questions and make the hard decisions. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's great advice. Um, but in, and it's one of the areas where starting out on Amazon can be a bonus because you can almost start out with two product listings. Tell me if I'm completely off track on this. But my understanding is you could start off with a product listing that's for people who love golf and a product listing that's for people who love hockey and see which one you get the most sales on. And then you go, All right, we're going to go after hockey. Decision made. Um, which, you know, which if you try and do that with websites, it's going to take you a lot longer to build it and you're going to have to pay to get the traffic there, which of course you don't when it comes to Amazon. So yeah, there's a lot of testing you can do to validate those ideas. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's not as straightforward as that, but yeah, you could create yeah. variations and, and ways to test, yeah. Um, That's why I'm so, not an Amazon expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why John is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so maybe let's just wrap up with what, one question, but... Um, where do you see the opportunities in the e-commerce landscape coming up in, in the future? I mean, obviously, right now, it's just, uh, you know, I was speaking to a guy, Ezra Firestone, the other day, and, and he was saying that just the way, what's happened right now is it's, it's put us five years ahead of where we would have been in e-commerce. So the trends are absolutely going crazy right now. But where do you see yeah. the e-commerce trends uh, for, for specifically product brands? It's such a... It's such a tricky one at the moment because like, like you said, this is, is mad <laughs> what we're we going through at the moment. And it's, yeah, I've, I've had some many conversations with recently of, you know, this is, is a crazy scenario and, and very in the short term, very, very different if we go into lockdown, if we don't go into lockdown. And, you know, there's still the question mark over whether the, whether the infrastructure for e-commerce, the delivery um, capacity is there to enable us to do Christmas uh, 2010. Mm. because it's creaking it's basically been at Black Friday yeah sorry did I say 2021 you said 2010 I was like did I wow (laughs) we've gone back in time everyone (laughs) um 
usually this time of year I'm getting confused between 2021 and 2020 yeah. but clearly I've gone backwards sorry everybody so Christmas 2020 our cha- you know there's a lot of talk about should we be trying to bring sales earlier should we be, be aiming to do sales later are we you know going to be cutting off our marketing because actually we can't fulfill the you know the capacity uh, the orders that we've got coming through anyway so I think the I think what it seems to be doing is getting people to focus on the most important elements of their business, which I think is brilliant, which is making sure you've got the great customer service, making sure you've got the story out there. I know a lot of brands who I speak to who, because the, you know, the orders have just gone through the roof, they've had to redeploy their marketing um, manpower onto the softer marketing methods, which they don't usually bother with. You know, usually they're so focused on the email and the catalogs and the pay-per-click and the things which drive sales very tra- in a very trackable manner. They're actually now reinvesting that time and effort in story, brand, content, which is creating a better, stronger business. And I think as we see, especially with, you know, product-owned businesses, the direct-to-consumer piece, if your story isn't there and you're not connecting with the consumer, then you are going to find things falling over, in, you know, in your space because that's... That's what we want, and in these this time, it seems in this time of, let's face it, we're all under quite a lot of mental stress these days. One way, or, whether we admit to it or not, or whether we recognise mm. it's happening or not, this is a weird world we're living in. If we can find something we can connect to that makes us feel better in whatever way it may be, because it might simply be because we found the thing we've been looking for, um, we found people who are like us that we can feel connected to. That is the sort of thing people are going to be buying into the future. So content story strength of brand founder stories revealing the humans behind the business that's what's going to make the biggest impact as we go as we go through 2010 2020 2021 <laughs> yeah I, I love that uh, you know uh, it, it's it's emotional connection and and yeah. and you know that's more important than than ever and uh we're seeing just in all different uh kind of digital experiences um the emotional connection is is being sought after online right um yeah. whether that's a zoom call or a or a whatever you know that that's becoming more and more the norm as as we go through this so um having that emotional uh, connection with your brand is is critical and um you know i i think i see that with with amazon and and you, you know amazon is such a um you know mostly it's becoming a, a kind of a, a, a needs-based product, a consumable, right, that, that mm-hmm. you're buying. Um, and, you know, the, the emotional brand aspect, yes, it's on Amazon, but, you know, people are, are, are looking for that outside of Amazon. Um, and I think, you know, Shopify, if they create their own marketplace, you know, boutique brands and stuff in, in that space are going to be, it's a massive opportunity for them, so... Um, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we always hold Amazon up as being great at customer service because it just happens and we can rely on them and we can trust them. So they, we have kind of a, a level of emotional connection to Amazon. But I think where they're now um, failing somewhat compared to other brands and where they're going, going to lose out is that you don't feel, you feel, you know, you can rely on Amazon, but you don't feel excited about buying from Amazon. You know, it's like, I feel I can rely on Amazon probably having the product, having a reasonable price, reasonable quality, and it's going to arrive on time with a decent courier who doesn't, you know, give it to next door or whatever else. But what I don't, I don't get excited going on the Amazon website. I don't get excited when I get an email from Amazon 
despite the fact, you know, they, they, these days you get video, you know, you've got the whole Amazon Prime video network. You've, you know, I get excited when I get an email from Netflix. I'm like, oh, what, what is the UK watching today? Don't get that when I get the Amazon Prime ones. And it's that level of, of kind of positive, accentuating emotions, you know, calm, excitement, feeling safe in this, you know, those sorts of things. That's not what we're getting from Amazon, which is, I think, where why the D, why the DC brands are doing so well is because mm-hmm. they're creating that that active emotion with people. Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. And I think Amazon has a lot of work to do around around the trust aspect um, of, of their platform and and the brands that are out there. And um, you know, I would say I, I would agree with that. I think that you know, th- there's a there's a a reliance on on the Amazon distribution system and hey, it's easy for me to get products. Um, but the it's not that you're going to necessarily you're going to Amazon with a need um, that hopefully you get met. But I think there's still an aspect of being pleasantly surprised on Amazon and when you find these great brands like the suitcase or whatever it is, like oh wow, this is insane, and this mm-hmm. is this is there. I mean, you know, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised just recently get, buying furniture off of Amazon and. The level of quality of the furniture was amazing, you know, and and so they're there. Um, but I agree, you know, the customers are going in with a need, and if you can surprise them, you've got you've got a great chance of of uh, not only um, satisfying them, but but hopefully going beyond their expectations and driving them to be like, wow, let me check out this website for this brand because this was an amazing experience, and there is the start of your relationship with that customer, which is which is what we want, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, that, that's been amazing. So um, thank you. And, and I know I, I had a few guideline questions that we didn't even tackle, but you know, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it's great to kind of hear your insights and I think it's very applicable to someone who's effectively creating the, the, the start of the e-commerce brand with, with Amazon. Um, real quick, what, what is a, out of, out of the, all the amazing books that you have behind you, which one should, should someone read as a start? Um, I would go for this one okay. Um, because it's all, it's like it says, it's all about how to get the traffic that buys to your website. Um, it's available as ebook, audiobook, and paperback on Amazon, strangely enough. And <laughs> it takes you through how to make better marketing decisions. So I introduce you to the key marketing methods you might want to use to get traffic to your website. I talk about some of the marketing maxims, which are ways you can improve the performance of all of it. And you've also got my customer master plan model in there, which is a way of helping you focus to make sure you're putting your marketing effort in the right places. So it's, um, it's not a click here, do this. It's a how to get your head in the game, basically. Amazing. Um, and in terms of, uh, you know, the listeners right now who probably have a, you know, a, a good Amazon successful business, when in their journey or, or, or when should they be getting in touch with you? You know, what, why should they be reaching out to you and, and how do they do that? Uh, well, I'm all about helping you make better marketing decisions and helping you get better traffic to your site. So most of the people who I work one-on-one with, of which there's only a handful these days because I spend most of my time writing and um, mm. and talking like this, um, <laughs> I'm very lucky. Uh, they are usually a couple of months in, if not several years in, because I like to look at the data to help them make better decisions. But you're welcome to drop me a message at any time and I will do my best to help. Um, and you can find all the contact details for me on the contact page at e-commerce masterplan 
ecommercemasterplan.com um, and that'll give you the social and all the rest of it and everything else I'm up to. So ecommercemasterplan.com. Yeah, drop your email there and I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to reverse engineer all the wonderful strategies that you have in place. <laughs> um, thank you, Chloe. That's been amazing. And um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll definitely get a copy of that book and, and I wish you well with uh, 2010, 2020, 2021. <laughs> yeah. Whatever year we're in. Thanks, yeah. John. It's been, it's been really cool chatting to you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Hey, hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to check out more episodes, be sure to go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts and subscribe today. Many episodes to check out.